Hey guys, welcome to Overcrest. I'm Chris. And I'm Jake. And on today's show, we have a really cool guest. Yeah, we got Patrick George. Uh, he's the editor of Jalopnik. Um, we're going to talk to him about his history with cars, writing, motoring culture. We're also going to talk Jalopnik and how Patrick led the team out of gawker hell to become one of the most <laughs> read online automotive magazines out there. Wow. Now, I read Jalopnik and I read Drive. Those are the two that I really like. Okay. And, you know, I used to have this kind of like love-hate thing with Jalopnik, and I might still have kind of a love-hate thing with Jalopnik. Okay. But uh, Patrick's really awesome, and he did great things for that. And he's a great writer, great journalist. Um, we're also going to talk a little bit about um, what's getting pushed between uh, pushed on the 1980s cars that are going crazy with Radwood and everything else. But yeah. We're going to talk about the Malays cars, and uh, we're going to. I'm actually going to uh, ask Jalopnik if they're going to stick to their motto of drive free or die. I do like that. I kind of forgot that was their motto. That's their motto. So I'm going to be asking them if they're going to go to bat for us as time goes on here. And I think it's important to find out. So anyway, Jalop, uh, Patrick from Jalopnik is going to be on the episode later on. Um, awesome. In the news today, we're going to talk about the uh, the tailgate <laughs> thing, which I think is just, I have, a, I have a really good analogy to go with the tailgate thing. Oh, do you? I oh, do. Yeah, I'm excited about this. Yeah, so I'm excited about that. We're also going to talk about the new Green Deal uh-huh. um, and how kind of, uh, it's, it's a... Um, it's a resolution that's been put forth to the House of Representatives in the United States Congress. Mm-hmm. And we're going to talk about the New Green Deal and how it applies to transportation. We're going to try and skip is, over some of the others. This is going to be a little political, but I'll try uh, to I'll try to rein you in. How about that? Chris? That that sounds great. I really want to stick to the transportation stuff because right, it a, certainly does affect that. It certainly does. It affects everybody. And and this is honestly, it's a little bit of a it's a crazy bill that I don't think is going to pass. But okay. I think there's some stuff in it there to, in there to be concerned about knowing that that's what the ideas are when it comes to transportation and your sure. right to drive. Um, we're also going to talk about cops and ways a little bit and how cops hate ways. And I just used ways on the way over here. You did. I but, love ways. But you did not use it to mark a DUI checkpoint, oh. therefore alerting <laughs> anyone. So we're going to talk a little bit about that as well. So that's what's going on in the episode today. Awesome. What's been going I saw on um instagram that you put a new muffler on your car which is the same muffler i have that i didn't sell you that i now owe you 300 dollars for 350 350 (laughs) dollars for because i decided i'm not doing my turbo project quite yet right so what's what's the story with this this whole week of it's been exhausting Okay. Oh, yeah. Very good. No, I've been I've been doing a couple of things. So I got the new M and K muffler for um, the 911. I'm really excited to get that fired up and hear all that sounds. That'll be awesome. You have obviously you did your fan. You polished your fan and did your your fan housing and everything. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. Are you on like a a hiatus from servicing yourself? So you had to sit there and like polish the hell out of your your fan (laughs) or (laughs) or what's the deal? I mean, I'm working. That must have taken forever. Yeah. Well, I was like, also question why. Why do you not have a magnesium fan? Is it what year is your car again? It's a 70. Okay, so you would have had an aluminum fan right? Yeah. on that car. Okay. I didn't even know some were magnesium. I think that they were. And I think they had less blades on the fan on the earlier cars. Right. I don't yep. know. The like 67. And yeah, stuff some like of the that. other stuff. So you polished your fan. I polished my fan. We talked about that. That was just like and when it, you're sitting inside watching a movie or something. It's some. It's cool to be able to like work on something. I have done that before. I've yeah. sat there and fiddled around with things. Exactly. That's, so that's where all I, that was. When I rebuilt the instrument cluster for the nine nine six, since it was brown, remember how it was brown? Yeah. Someone put vinyl overlay all that's over right. the. I did. I took that thing apart while we were watching TV on the coffee table. Yeah, it's and lost nice all the screws in the shag carpet, which oh was no, like, <laughs> it took forever to find them. You needed one of those like nail picker uppers, you know, those on things- wheels. Those things don't work. I keep filing, finding <laughs> nails in my yard from the guys that did the siding on my house. 
There's because, nails you know in my why? yard. Those are aluminum nails. I don't think so. A lot of They're, them are for siding nails or aluminum. Okay, well, then the guy went around with the magnet thing and it didn't mm. work. And there's still... Well, that's why. I'm going to get a nail in my foot at some point. Anyway, so how's the, the muffler went on nice? It's oh, a, yeah, muffler went on great. It is a quality, quality piece. It's an M&K. M&K, so hats off to them. Yeah, they do, they really do good work. The welding and everything I'll is I'll be sure top-notch. to uh, tag them in some stuff once we get it finally fired up. I saw that you have some quite large exhaust... Yes, I'm there. so excited that they're that long. <laughs> so I think it's actually a slightly different design than yours because mine came with separate um, like stainless tubes that you then f- affix on it. Yeah, it's probably so you can shorten them. Right, to but whatever. I, will, I will not because I miss my long pipes, Chris. I, your shins probably don't. <laughs> You're going to be walking around your garage in the, in the dark and at night or something and smash your shins and cut them up I and I'm going to celebrate. they're so nice and round. I don't want them done. So we'll have, to, we'll have to cut those. Would yeah. you, let me, let me ask you something. What? Would you be mad if I like covertly cut down your exhaust pipes to the proper length? I would now, on that car. Now that they're like parts that you can take off and replace, <laughs> would you be mad if I like I sabotage? I would be mad because that's such a nice brand new muffler. Okay. Well, please we'll, don't do we'll, that. We'll wait for a couple years <laughs> okay. and surprise you yeah, with, with that. They're not, ex- they're not exorbitantly long. They're actually, no. a, you know, a pretty decent length. I actually right. wish mine were a little bit longer. See? I think I went too far, but I think yours are way too long well and when i cut down my long ones i went too short with them this is a cut what if someone just now tuned into the podcast yeah these were a little short but i really liked it when they were long (laughs) (laughs) context Uh, speaking of exhaust i was also working on the truck this week because the exhaust manifold had a really bad rattle in it and there was i saw you gutted the cat and everything the cat in the because there's a pre-cat up in the exhaust manifold did you wear a mask while you were doing all this i didn't you should have because that stuff is not good for you i a lot of commenters told me that okay okay yeah (laughs) i was like like, well, I mean, I didn't sit there and huff it. No, but it's still not a good idea. I'm right. not sure. I'm not sure it's something you'd want there, to be doing. There was two day. comments. Several people were like, "Oh, you should have saved that. That was like hundred bucks or something." Should, why did you leave it there instead of just piping it straight through and just getting rid of it? What do you mean? You could have just cut the cat out completely and put a pipe in the middle. Oh, why gut it and then weld it back together? Who are you trying to fool? No one. Okay, we don't have emissions here. I know, What's but the, it's a really big diameter pipe. Like I, I don't know. You could have just went. This to was much easier actually to just do this. Because I, I, it's two cast ends, and then the manifold piece in the middle is the the pipe, basically. Yeah, it's right off the. It's right there. The it's cat is right like right the there, isn't it? Right. Okay. Yep. And so you're supposed to even on like a full flowing brand new cat on these trucks, you're supposed to be able to get another 10, 15 horse. I really didn't care about that, but I thought that's where my rattle was, and I thought it was plugged up, which it was a little bit plugged. Right. So. It's yeah, it's good, except now I have a check engine light, which it's frustrating because I drove it for like three days after I put it back. You together. can't mess with your cat without getting a check. You have You're to, supposed modif- to be able to on the pre cat here because I drove it for like three days and I didn't have a check engine light, but I noticed I had a really, really small exhaust leak. I could just see on uh, the actual manifold gasket a little bit of the carbon like kind of puffing out. Oh, no. Like a so mark you have to up. take it off so again. I took everything out again last night. Why don't you just smear some JB Weld on there and just be done with it? <laughs> Actually, funny story. Have you ever smelled what JB Weld smells like when it burns? It is the most hideous smell in the world. No, I know it stinks to be. You know what? I actually don't mind the smell of JB Weld when you mix it together. I used it okay. before I had a welder. I like JB Welded something on my um, snowblower. The best smelling off. car thing. The best smelling car anything. Okay. Like uh, in terms of uh, not like new car smell or leather, right, but, but like, like solvents, solvents, products, that gen. kind of thing. Better than car, any wax, better than any detailer, okay. better than anything is the gel Loctite. The gel. Have you have you smelled it? Like just red Loctite? Blue. Okay. Blue 
gel loctite. I'm serious. I I'm serious not about ever this. Smelled it. I and it's and it comes in like a little tube right. where you unscrew. It's almost like chapstick where you could like put it on. <laughs> <laughs> He's gonna be over here with blue lips, some weird mouth cancer. But ooh, it smells and tastes so delicious. I wonder if I'd be able to open my mouth. <laughs> yeah, they lock tight together. Lockjaw, new lock terminology jaw. there. But that is the best smelling stuff. I'm. I swear to God, you have to go and. And smell it at the auto parts store somehow. You could some. be like some guy like walks around the corner. You're just like, <laughs> be like, sir, please don't huff the Loctite. I don't know why we have to say this. Next to time everyone. you go in there, it's, it's behind. There's the, a sign. No, no, it's behind the glass cabinet, so you can't get to it. Like the spray paint at the WalMarts and the oh, ghetto. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, fun fact. Do you know that different colors of spray paint can get you different, like different highness if you're gonna huff it? That's not something I'm generally. My wife is. In healthcare. Oh, that's right. And so she's trained on like substance abuse. And so things. she talked you out of doing it after yeah, quite Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she's like, Jay, no, uh, gold and like chrome or silver are like apparently what gets you high. Well, so. if that's where you, that's what you see in the mug shots is the guy with this <laughs> gold the paint. Gold, I know. Gold paint. I don't know how we face. got on that tangent. But, anyways, I was working on my truck. It leaked. I took it all apart, put it all back together with like some proper sealant on the actual gasket. And now it's it's fine. good. But I had the check engine light on the way over. Well, that's because your your computer, your car is expecting a certain amount of flow through that cat. And it's detecting a higher flow. And it's saying, oh, <laughs> know. something's I wrong. Have, I would have expected the check engine light to come on. And then I would need a spacer. Except everyone on the forum is like, oh, no, that it doesn't account for the pre-cat. So, so everybody on the internet was wrong. Right. And well, what, <laughs> what the heck? I thought the internet's always right. Yeah. So I, I uh, the, my car is spiraling out of control a little bit. Your 911? Yeah. So I had a, them measure the paint thickness oh, on all of the panels because uh -huh. I'm wondering how many times the thing's been painted, sure, yeah, blah, yeah. blah, blah. So the tailgate is almost 40 mil. Okay. And I don't know what that measurement means. Right. But like, I know, I'd like to compare that to But a, I know that it is obviously the bare metal, then it's red and Bondo, and then it's, then it's black, and then it's red, and then it's blue. There so was, those are all the colors. Oh, right, because you did red over the black. Gotcha. So, yeah, so I did. I did the. <laughs> I, did. I forget that you have done so many coats. So on that this was yourself. almost that was almost 40. OK. OK. And then everything else was about 20, except okay. for the hood, which is obviously being painted a couple times. That was like 38. And here's the problem with that mm. is that it's really thick paint. And when a rock chip hits it. Oh, it spider cracks. It, no, it just leaves a divot out of it. <laughs> And I could, I remember looking it's, at it. You know, it's like, it's like a gobstopper when you crack it. You I can see, see all the different layers. I could see like, I could see like blue, black, and white wow. is what I could see with a rock chip. So I'm having them strip the hood down to bare metal wow. and do the hood. And, the, so they're and now they're blasting everything. Or? They'll probably use paint stripper okay. is my guess because the hood's not fucked up. So I hope you never know what you're going to find under that stuff. And we'll, <laughs> we'll see how it goes. We'll see, you know. I don't know, we're spiraling out of control a little bit. So they're painting the whole car now, and now we're stripping the hood down. And I'm trying to be like, okay, that's it. Let's not go too much <laughs> farther than that. So on the way here, I did help a lady fix her car. That's right. You were like the, the savior today. So I was sitting in Taco Bell eating tacos. Okay. And I'm like, I'm, I'm like, I'm about to take a bite of my taco, and I look over, and I see this like lady just like giving it her all on this little tiny wrench, the lug wrench that came with her Prius. Sure. And she's like, just, I can see her like trying to like put her body weight into it. And she's not a big gal. So she, she just couldn't get him off. So I'm like eating and I just see her like on the phone and then I'm like done with one taco and then she's still on the phone. And then she's going at it again and kicking it and stuff. And then I'm halfway through my second taco and I'm like, all right, I can't take it anymore. Yeah. So I threw a taco and a half away. Oh man. I know. So this was a little sacrifice. <laughs> 
I threw a taco she and a half. owes you like $3. I threw the taco and a half away. It was $7. You know what was best is I got to order from a touch screen. I went beep, boop, boop, tacos, boop, boop, pick up. And it was just done. I didn't have to talk to anybody, which was amazing. Yeah. Anyway, so I throw my tacos away, go over there. Her name's Kate. And okay. she's got brand new snow tires on her Prius. Oh, well, what happened? And she said she ran into something. And she's like, I don't know what it is about this thing. I keep getting flat tires. I'm like, well, maybe you should stop running into things. She's like, that's probably a good idea. Let me, let me, let me see the wrench, whatever. So I grabbed the wrench and it's like, kick, and they're all like just normally tightened. Oh, really? She was just a small gal. <laughs> well, I mean, it wasn't ideal weather to be changing a tire either. Keep in mind, it is literally a it, blizzard We have like a 10 outside. inches of snow here right now. Yeah. Is and so of course, so I get I get the shovel out of my trunk and I clear out a spot for the jack to go. The widowmaker. And I say, you know what these jacks are called, right? She's like, I don't know. I'm like, they're called widowmakers. And uh, for some reason, right after I said that, I'm like, this is also going to sound a little serial killer. But <laughs> but I will take this tire wherever you want. I'll give you a ride, and we can go get the tire fixed, or we can get a new tire because you cannot drive on this donut right in this weather. You will die. <laughs> I told, I'm like, you will At crash. At the very least, yeah, you'll, you'll either get stuck or crash. You're stuck or you crash. It's, it's inevitable. You cannot do it. I wonder what happened to her. She, went, she well, went driving off. I'm like, where do you live? She says, I live in Uptown, which is like a, I don't know, 12-mile drive, but, okay. tr- but through, it's, through, not a good idea. Yeah. So she ended up going back to her shop in Roseville, which was just a couple of miles away. Okay. I'm like, stay off the freeway. Be very, very careful. Go slow. Take your time. Right. And again, if you would like me to, I will take this tire to your selected shop of choice with you and drop you off there with the tire and you can get it fixed and then come back. Everything's loose. You can just take care of it. She didn't like that. Probably because I was like, yeah, Widowmaker, serial killer. <laughs> yeah. Although I, if, in, in reality, it, if yeah. I, I wouldn't have said any of those things if I was actually a serial killer. True. I would have just been like, come into my, my, my white van right, right here. So she's all sorted out. She's good to go. Hopefully. And uh, she said she was going to listen to the podcast. Oh, really? You told but, her about it? But she okay. never asked what it was actually well, called. Oh, <laughs> so wow, she said no probably way. not. So that's <laughs> that's about it. So Awesome. Well, I'm really excited here. Next up is Patrick George from Jalopnik. Yeah. So uh, before we get to that, um, I want to remind everybody to go to patreon.com slash Overcrest. Right. You can get exclusive episodes. You get a t-shirt for signing up. There's lots of good things you can do. There's an app for your phone. It makes it really easy. You can listen to stuff. And uh, patreon.com slash Overcrest. And I have a sample um, a sample version of this file for you. Just check it out and uh, you can see what our latest episode that we did was. Go ahead. When the Christmas tree turned from red to yellow to green, the Hemi-powered Chisler launched with all the drama one would expect. Enough wheel spin to throw a rooster tail of smoke from each tire as they fought for traction down the street. You know what I love is the the old photography, even the new photography, where the tires have like one PSI in them, and someone snaps the shot right when the car the is launching, yep. and the whole tire, the tire is like twisted. Yes. You can see like, yeah. the, like a vortex. That's why they like, got to use bead locker rims, because otherwise, otherwise it'll slip the rim right inside the tire. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's sweet. Imagine right? the guy that the first guy that made enough power to go. Well, what are we gonna do? <laughs> we, I'm just the rim is what spin. There's like smoke pouring out of the rim. So like, I don't know, George. What do we do? <laughs> All right, so Shizzler, awesome launch, right? However, midway down the track, it was said that spectators could notice the car started to pull harder, much harder than they had ever seen. Awesome. So go ahead and sign up. Patreon.com slash Overcrest. Support us. Support the show. We'd really appreciate it. We'll be right back with Patrick George 
from Jalopnik. Mr. Patrick George, how's it going? I'm good, sir. How are you doing? Very, very well. It's uh, it's an honor to have you on the podcast, and uh, thanks for calling in. Oh, gentlemen, the honor the honor is all mine. How are <laughs> yeah. you doing today? Very, very good. We're uh, we're quagmired up here in our in our little studio with a blizzard outside, but uh, it feels distinctly Minnesotan for the first time in several years. So we're we're happy about that. You betcha. Yeah, I I had you betcha. Uh, <laughs> I, I really am on a Minnesota podcast, and it feels great. Um, yeah, I, I saw some of my other Midwestern friends complaining about the lack of a true winter. Um, until this year and I, and you know, being from Texas and living in the Northeast now, I'm like, you know, this is, this, this shit's fine with me when it's like 50 or 40 and, and kind of sunny. Like I can, I can live with that. So I'm sorry you're blizzarded in, but I guess that's fun for you. So yeah, we love it. We love it. We, we got to take our winter sports up here seriously, but we need snow to do it. So anyway, I wanted right. to, uh, I want to get into a little bit about, um, your roots with car journalism before we push too much far forward. Where did that start for you? How did that come to be? Sure. Um, yeah, I guess I was, uh, I, I, it was two things. One, I was always a car guy growing up. I can't, I grew up in a car household. My dad, um, is a very responsible guy, but he also he loves sports cars and always had when he could, when he wasn't like, you know, committed to doing like the responsible dad thing. He had cool cars. He had, a um, he had a Miata when I was in high school. He had a, like a Firebird when I was, when I was, when I was born. Um, he had a Corvette Z06 later in life when he, when I was at college and fun fact about both was that when I was in high school, he wouldn't let me drive the Miata. It was a stick ship. He's like, you're, you're just going to fuck it up. You're going to wreck. Whatever. You can't drive the Miata. <laughs> those things are slow. How are you going to mess one of those things up? <laughs> well, then I come back from college and then he's got the Z06. It's a C5 Z06. One that had um, 405 horsepower. You know, it was a hell of a lot. I mean, even today, that's a lot. It was a fuck ton back in, in the early 2000s. And I said to him, I was like, you wouldn't let me drive your Miata, but you're totally down to let me drive this car that has four <laughs> times as much power and i was like yeah let's do this uh awesome so he must have thought you'd matured I quite a bit <laughs> I, I i i definitely didn't if anything i got worse uh, <laughs> but that was the car i learned to drive stick on when i was like 18 um and home from school so yeah but i had always i'd always had an interest in journalism and i worked at like my college newspaper when i was in, in, at the university of texas i was a newspaper reporter in austin for a long time i didn't cover cars i covered uh I covered crime and law enforcement mostly and a bunch of like uh, stuff, local stuff on the Metro desk, but like, you know, cars is something I grew up with. It's something I knew. And I did a little bit of automotive related freelancing on the side at websites, like how stuff works just cause like I enjoyed it and I knew it really well. And, you know, it was easy money for me, basically. Um, you know, it was a good way to supplement my, my reporter's salary and pay the bills a bit. Uh, so that's how I got into it. And the more I did it, the more I really enjoyed it. And, um, you know, around, I guess around 2012, Matt Hardegree became editor of Jalopnik. He's another fellow Texan. He's a few years older than I am. We went to school together. He also went to UT, but I don't think we knew each other there at all. I may have met him at a party or something once. Um, that whole, that, that the first couple of years of that's kind of a blur, uh, <laughs> for me, you know, alcohol wise. Um, <laughs> But uh, I, I DM'd him on Facebook one day and he was like, I'd love to freelance for you guys. Like, I do some freelancing. I'm a huge Jalopnik fan. Um, and eventually he got back to me and says, you know, I need a weekend editor. And that was like basically running the website, writing all the, the stories for it and running social media uh, on Saturdays and Sundays. And for, you know, for a while I was working like seven days a week. I was, I was a newspaper reporter by day and then car blogger journalist by night. But yeah, it was a lot of work, but I, I really enjoyed it. I well, love some people live for the weekends to have nothing to do, but you must have been living for the weekends <laughs> so you could do what you wanted to do. 
Yeah, I mean, it was it was fun. I mean, I had to carve out, you know, like me time and like time to hang out with like my wife. But um, yeah, I enjoyed it. Like it was great to interact with the readers and like see what they liked and what they didn't like and to you know, put out fun features and cool stories every weekend. Like it's a, it's a fun job. It's, it's being weekend editor. Um, and I, I left the paper at the end of 2012 uh, when we moved to Washington, D.C. and got a staff writer job that just opened up in Jalop and, and uh, just kind of moved up from there. And I've been editor since 2015. So what in for people that might not know who are living under a rock, what is Jalopnik? Yeah. What's kind of like the platitude of Jalopnik? What do you guys do and hope to accomplish every day? Sure. Sure. What, what do, what do we hope to accomplish? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I asked my staff that a lot. I'm like, what, what do you, what do you hope to accomplish today? And, and why aren't you doing it? Uh, no, they're lovely people. Um, we are, we are the internet's most read um, automotive enthusiast website, possibly the most read automotive website, period. Um, we cover car culture, new cars, um, old cars, technology, transportation, how you, how we get around fighter jets. We, uh, you know, the cult of cars and everything that moves you that we say, like at heart, we are in a car enthusiast site, but we also cover a lot of other things in the greater world of transportation and the automotive industry. Sure. So for a long time or for a short time, I should say, things were looking pretty perilous at Jalopnik, you know, being tied to Gawker and everything like that. What did you do to help save Jalopnik and turn it into what it is today? <laughs> I don't know if I did much to save it. We'll, we had, um, you know, we were, we were part of the Gawker media empire that, uh, you know, was sued out of existence um, in 2016 yeah, I, like working in digital media, like every year feels like seven years. So <laughs> I, I tell people, I, I, I've been at Gawker at GMG for 49 human years now. That's what it feels like. Um, you know, we, we, the company was, uh, you know, it was, it was sued out of existence, went, it declared bankruptcy, was then acquired by Univision, um, which did not choose to acquire uh, the flagship website, Gawker.com, for various reasons. But, I'll say it was a perilous time. It definitely was. Like I took over. I, I became editor in chief right as they told us, "Hey, you're the boss now. Congratulations." Also, we're going into this court battle, and it's going to be really expensive, and we may not come out of it okay. So, like, don't spend any money, but keep morale up, and don't lose any people. And good luck. Yeah, that's and tough, man. That's really. It's like it's like having somebody hand you the ship, and then or like a pilot jumps out of the plane, and they're like, "You know how to fly, right?" And then they jump out of the plane and you're the one that's left to save it. And oh, land by the it. way, you're out of fuel, too, though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was. It was like it was like he's, he's the only one stupid enough to take on this job. So it's his. Um, <laughs> and I, yeah, I think we, we, we got through it just like be, I, I just tried to be as honest with my staff as I could. You know, I was like, well, this, it was a great team, was and is a great team, has a great product. It has a huge audience. Like, you know, we, we, we did good work. We knew what we did. We were a little distanced from some of the stuff that was happening. Um, yeah, I, I just, I, I didn't lie to people. I told them, you know, what was what I knew to be true, what I knew what was going on and got through it. Okay. And we were, um, you know, later acquired by a very different company than what owned us before. Um, I will say with us, they've been mostly hands off with editorial. I like, I've never had anybody from Univision coming down. Like you, we need you to do X, Y, and Z. Like that has never happened at one. I mean, at one point, you know, that we were discussing things like, would you like to make a Spanish language version of Jalopnik? And I was like, I absolutely would. And like, here's what that would look like. Like, here's what, we, here's what you would need to do to make that successful. And um, that never materialized. Like, like, I guess the most latest thing, as you know, is, um, you know, Univision is selling off GMG, our new parent company. Um, Did not know. It failed to IPO. Yeah, it, it failed. Univision failed, uh, failed to IPO last year. 
after about a decade of, you know, soaking up debt and acquiring a bunch of other assets. And now their board has demanded that they cut back and, you know, pivot back to what they're really good at, which is, you know, telenovelas and soccer. And, you know, so they're trying to sell off all the digital assets they acquired over the last decade, which includes us, which includes the Deadspin, which includes the Onion, the AV Club. So any listeners to your podcast, if you only benevolent billionaires out there that want to, you know, <laughs> run, a, run a cool network of, uh, websites with huge audiences. Well, and, someone saved you know, that, most, that, that fastest alone. car ever that, you know, that was bankrupt oh, right. or whatever. Yeah. You know, the, the jet car, yeah. someone saved that. The, so surely hound SSC. Yeah. So you gotta sure. find out who that guy is. Yeah. So yeah, find out who yeah. that guy is and <laughs> talk to him. It's the bloodhound guy. I mean, you know, I, I, <laughs> I think if you if you if you took our staff's combined horsepower on our cars, you would almost well okay you wouldn't almost you wouldn't almost reach that I'm lying but you know yeah well, well I'm telling people the same thing I told them then I say that you know whatever happens worry about the things you control do good work every day um, you know put out good stories in the world and hopefully we all right and we've had a very we had a very successful 2018 yeah I think you guys will challenges. be I think you guys will be just fine. Just, just. I appreciate fine. that. Thank you. So, um, how did we get together? You know, I, I remember. I want to see if you remember how <laughs> how our interaction first went uh, for becoming a contributor over at Jalopnik. Sure, I remember you. I, I I always get people emailing me all the time, like I would write for Jalopnik, and like you know, like nine times out of ten, it's just kind of like. What do you, what ideas do you have? Uh, you know, I, I really, I have a Ford Mustang and I really like it. And like, I want to write for Jalopnik. Like that's, that's not a story. That's like, I don't know if you can write, like, that's not, you know, I'm, I'm glad you like your Mustang, but I don't really know what to do here. But Chris, you know, emailed me. He, I, I'd seen, I'd seen, I'm pretty sure you had contributed to, um, speed hunters before that. I know you had contributed to, um, dance work. So I knew your work and I was like, I just got a great photographer. He has cool shit. So, um, Let's, you know, let's, let's see if he wants to do something. I think you later emailed me and was like, I'm so appalled by what I read. I can't be associated with it. <laughs> and I think I convinced you to try and, and, and change your mind. Where you did. Today, I probably would have just, I probably would have told you to go fuck yourself. <laughs> like as, as I get older, like the less patience I have with like anyone, so that's right. like whatever. But back then I was far more, I was far more generous and magnanimous and, and, and sweet and kind. So I was like, well, you know, so, so um, Patrick, you got some cool stories for us. Like you, you, I know you did. You know what's like the Vintage 911 owner. You did like that, that E30 that you didn't love. Yeah, I think that the E30 wagon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pain your ass, yeah. right? Yeah. Yep. So you know, the uh, you, what you said to me was, I, I basically told you to to screw off or sod <laughs> off, and then you said I'd be interested in talking further if you are. If you think you can do better, I challenge you to show me. And that's what you said. And I'm like, whoa, I'm going to have to take this challenge. Nobody gives me a challenge that I, I back away from. So I, I really appreciate <laughs> that kick in the butt there. And uh, I think we've done some some cool things together. Um, speaking of cool. For sure. I've, 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 I've enjoyed your work uh, quite a bit. So, yeah. Speaking of some cool work, one of your best stories um, that you really like and I really like, too. And I remember reading it a long time ago and it was nice of you to bring it up to me again was the story of Randy Lanier titled The Man Who Turned Speedboats Full of Weed into Indy 500 Glory. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that story? Oh, thanks. Yeah, I, it's one of my favorites that I got to write. Um, yeah, I really love being the EIC of Jalopnik. Like, I love sort of moving this product in, in this publication in the direction I want it to go and, like, working with the team I have. Like, I love all that stuff. But the downside is I get to write a lot less than I used to. I especially don't get time to write, like, longer things but um that was a story i was really proud of back when i was like a reporter there 
I think we, we had gotten tipped off in like auto week had a blurb about Randy Lanier maybe getting out of prison. And it was kind of this thing was like, you know, the auto week audience is very insular. It's for like hardcore, like IndyCar nerds. So who is know, for anybody that doesn't like, know who like, is Randy Lanier? Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll start in that. And it was like Lanier was like, he was the uh, started out as a sports car racer in the 1970s. Worked his way into IndyCar. Was 1986 uh, IndyCar Rookie of the Year. He was very very fast. He was a very talented, young, up and coming racer. I think he was probably in his uh, late 20s or 30s at the time. Um, but what people didn't know was that he was financing his racing career along with that of his team by being a drug smuggler. And <laughs> he, he smuggled a lot of marijuana into this country. It was always marijuana. It wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't coke or anything like that, but he brought in barges, like giant ships full of marijuana. I mean, just the, the sheer quantities of, of weed he brought in this country is staggering. Like if you ever smoked a joint when Reagan was president, <laughs> you probably smoked his weed. Sure. He was the um, man. And, you know, he, he eventually got caught. He, uh, he fled the country to, I want to say Costa Rica or something. He ended up getting captured on the beach. Like they, they, they kind of closed in on him and, wow. um, was, you know, arrested, tried and sentenced. And he's sitting in court. He's like, yeah, I'm probably, I'm a drug smuggler. Uh, 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 facing federal charges. Like I'm probably going to get 10, 15 years in prison. This sucks. But uh, that was the height of the Reagan war on drugs. Oh, and geez. so they stuck him with a life sentence without possibility of parole. Wow. Which is insane for marijuana. Yeah, I mean, that's it's insane. Like, it's it's, it's, it's mind boggling how, how like draconian that is. And um, yeah, I, I read about it briefly in auto week and I was like, I got to dig into this story and, and like, like find out more about this guy and explain what the hell happened here. And there's this whole, I, I, you know, I used to do this stuff when I was a newspaper reporter. I mean, like I dug into all, uh, old court records and old newspaper articles and talked to some lawyers and some racing folks at the time and a, a cannabis advocate who worked with Randy Lanier when he was in prison to try and get him out. Um, one thing I found was, it was funny was there was a lot of drugs going on back then in racing and IMSA had a nickname, uh, International Marijuana Smugglers Association. That was the ugly nickname that's, that people right. gave it. I, I was going to say this sounds like the story of the Whittington brothers as well. He knew them. He knew those guys. I bet he, I bet he they did. Were, <laughs> they, were, they were, it was the whole, the same scene. Like there's a whole thing about this. Like I, I would love time to either, if I wrote a book, I don't know who the fuck would buy it or people would care. It, it, would, it would make a cool like narrative podcast, like a 10 part series, explain this whole thing. I think that would do really well. Anyway, um, Lanier, you know, fast forward to, I guess we wrote this in like 2015. Lanier gets out of prison under circumstances that are sealed by the court. I have theories on this. Um, hmm. I think, it, I think I personally don't know this for sure, but I think it had to deal with like the property that they seized that belonged to him, mansions and stuff. Like they had to give it back or let him go. So it's was like, all right, we'll just let him go. Um, and I, that story, when I wrote it, I had everything I needed for it. Like, I was like, we were going to publish that the next day. We were afraid Auto Week was going to do something on it. I was like, well, you know, the only thing that's missing is Randy Lanier because, like, he's in a halfway house. Like, he's, he can't really reach someone like that. So I sent a message to this cannabis advocate who um, dealt with him. I said, you know, if he's around, he's able to just have him give me a call. And I, was, I, I had the story all locked up, everything but Randy Lanier. And I get this phone call of the blue. And I'm like, hey, this is Randy Lanier. And I was like, holy shit, like this is the guy, <laughs> finally. And it made it made the whole story. I talked to him for an hour and he's he's very nice. He's very zen. Um he I, I asked him point blank, I was like, Did you did you do this stuff? And he was like, Yeah, like truth is important to me in my life now. And he goes, I absolutely smuggled marijuana to pay for racing. 
like he, 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 you know, came clean and he was like open about it. He was like, he also was vehement that he did not deserve his life in prison sentence, which I absolutely, yeah. I don't think personally. so either. If you think um, about some of the other crimes people could commit and get like 15 years for, yeah. I mean, come oh, on, yeah. come on. Oh yeah. Se- sexual assault, oh, sex yeah. abuse, all kinds of things. Yep. I mean, I don't think he deserved it at all, but, um, I met him, I think a year later because he, after getting out, he was getting back into racing a little bit. He's an older guy now. He's in his, uh, I guess he'd be in his maybe, maybe close to 70, but we went to an AER race at um, mid Ohio and he was a guest of one of the teams and uh, he he raced in an E30 like convertible that had converted an AER car, which is funny because that was a brand new expensive car when he went to prison and uh, now it's uh you know, right. it's, a, it's somebody's crap can racer. <laughs> yeah. um, but he, but he did good out there. Like he was, he was real shaky at first, but like we saw once he got his groove back and those, those reflexes, that natural talent came back. He was pretty fucking good on track. I mean, you know, and that was, that was cool to see. He was like, yeah, you know, I, I want to get back out there and, and try it some more. And I mean, yeah, he told me it was like, he was, he was wowed by everyone's got their face buried in cell phones now. And that he was just, he was just blown away by the performance that cars have today. He's well, yeah, car you, guy. He started, he's, imagine going you know, to prison for that long and coming out and everybody all of a sudden they can chip their cars. I mean, just, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's not even fair. He was like, the one I really want to drive is that GTR. I was like, I can't believe how fast that is. That, that was un- unthinkable back in the day. I was like, I bet it was, you know. He's the guy who started racing in like a, a secondhand uh, Porsche 356. And now he's in the, he, he comes out of jail and he's in the um, the three-second era, you know, or better. I haven't talked to him in a while. I'd like, I should reconnect with him and and, uh, and see how he's doing. But that's, that's one of the stories I, I was proud of. And, the, uh, and for done. Jalopnik as a whole, I think you the other story you have is the you guys really did a lot of breaking work on the Goodyear tire story. I mean, that was <laughs> I mean, that story was a pretty big deal, right? Yeah, thank you. It was um, our guy who uh, Ryan Felton worked on that all last year. That was um, you know, we, we in addition to like the fun, goofy shit that we do in the car reviews and the stuff for car reviews, we do a lot of investigative work, too. The idea is that you know, we can do we can do this as like serious things and fun things because why not? Um, you know, and Ryan uncovered this RV tire that Goodyear used that has been linked to countless injuries and I think ten deaths. That we found a couple additional fatalities, but it's never been recalled since the '90s. And um, I'm gonna try and submit it for a series for some awards this year because it was really good. He did a great job with that. Such that Goodyear even asked the judge to in the case to ask us not to publish it and uh, the story it was like they, they said that we improperly got some court documents which we did not and it was kind of like you know you're winning you know you're doing right when like the company you're reporting on has to go to like a judge and ask you not to uh, run a story which isn't how this works so it, it means you're looking like, under the right rug right yeah. there yeah it, it, for us it was like you know this is this is an ex-gawker site like you think we're gonna do that it's like no fuck you you know of course <laughs> like we're gonna err on the side of what's what's true and right here so for sure that's I think that's, that's kind of the ethos we have is like, don't write for the audience you have, write for the audience you want. And I try to make, make all of our bigger features and kind of the attitude like that. Like I want Jalopnik to be a place that's, it's for car enthusiasts, but it's also a little bit for everybody. Like if, if we tell interesting stories that you don't have to be a car person to appreciate the Randy Lanier story, like fascinating for anybody, you know, you could you could tell a car you could do a car review or a cool car story in such a way that somebody who maybe isn't into cars will take something away from that and enjoy it too, and maybe ideally you'll convert them to being an enthusiast as well. Like you'll 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 show them that you know cars don't have to be boring. They don't just have to be appliances. They can be you know you can enjoy 
the act of driving, the freedom of driving. That's I think the that's ideal outcome, right? That's the yeah. ideal. I think so. I think so. Like I remember when we did our, our best stories of, of 2018 roundup last year, someone in our comments said, you know, I, I, I'm a, I was a Jezebel reader for a long time and I didn't give a shit about cars at all, but I started reading some of your stuff through Jezebel. And then I just, I just bought a fun car with a stick shift and now I'm an enthusiast. And like, that's kind of what we try and aim to do. It's like, wow. if the hobby, if the hobby, if the passion is going to survive the autonomous pod revolution that a lot of people want to happen, we've got to like open the tent to everybody. We've got to be evangelists. We've got to be can't be closed off to each other. We got to be welcoming to everybody. Like I think speed belongs to everybody. And that's, that's, that's the kind of site that I want to build. Well, your motto, your motto is drive free or die. I mean, that's, that's, that's what it says. And I, I just, I wanted to ask you if Jalopnik is going to be there for us, defending our right of travel and our right to go fast, our right to drive and hold a steering wheel in our hand as the inevitable, in my opinion, the inevitable Mm -hmm. fight for that in our lifetime comes. I don't know if it's 20 years from now or 30, but it seems like that's going to come. I, I yes and no. And it's like, I, I think I struggled for a while on how we should cover autonomous cars and self-driving cars because, you know, initially it was like, there are some noble goals. I mean, like just, just purely noble goals when it comes to self-driving cars. You're talking about eliminating traffic. You're talking about eliminating uh, accidents and road deaths. You're talking about cutting back on pollution, all of these things are good things in theory. Um, so, but how do we as an enthusiast site cover that? Like, how do, do we embrace it fully and just say, just say, fuck it? Well, we can't do that. Um, so eventually after a lot of thought and trial and error, we kind of uh, settled on this idea that we should be skeptical of self-driving car technology. We should be skeptical of the Silicon Valley people who are pushing this and say that it's, oh, it's five years away. It's always five years away. Um, you know, maybe we should, maybe we should be the voice that's like, well, slow down. Maybe this is bullshit. Maybe these people are just trying to raise venture capital money because um, the automotive journalism world has plenty of problems. It, it does. But the tech press, I think, in a lot of cases is even worse. It's even less skeptical. It's even more cheerleading. It's less critical. It's less it doesn't think much. It just kind of, you know, uh, parrots whatever people tell them. So I think we settled on this, this idea that we should be questioning of autonomous cars. And I think what, last year we were largely proven right. When you look at all the incidents that like the Google car had or uh, the slow rollout that autonomous tech had on regular cars or the issues that Tesla autopilot had or the fatal uh, autonomous Uber crash. Like, we, mm-hmm. it, we've, we've been vindicated, I think, in the idea that this is five years away. It's not two years away. It's probably not even 20 years away. Now you've got the head of uh, Google's Waymo, John Krabchick, the guy who used to run Hyundai North America, He's out there saying that we will probably never have fully self-driving cars because there won't ever be a situation where the car can fully handle everything, weather, traffic, uh, erratic shit. You know, he just like he just doesn't think that'll happen. And it's like we we AI has to grow by leaps and bounds for that to happen. So we're probably I mean, going to have to worry about that, a T one thousand before we have to worry <laughs> about a car at that point. Yeah, I mean, if the yeah, cars are I, good I, enough to go full autonomous, we're already screwed. We're all dead anyway. Yeah, good point. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, we are. I mean, it's like there's, there's way worse shit that, that could happen. Uh, you know, nuclear holocaust, you know, disastrous climate change and so on before we worry about, uh, you know, our keys being taken away by the robot. <laughs> so my, my dog here. So. No, that's all right. So we <laughs> have anyway, so you, so uh, we so have this. Go back to, to go back to your question, though, real quick, just go back to your question. You asked if we're going to defend the right to drive, the ability to, the, the, the ability to drive. And I think we have to. 
I think we have to. If we're not going to do it, then who the hell is going to do it? Because, you know, if if we're seeing driving slowly trend away from human control, somebody has to advocate for the idea of driving still brings freedom. Driving is still fun. Uh, driving is still a culture experience. Like it, it's a way of people to come together and experience different things. You know, I think that that's going to be pivotal moving forward. And like, I, I'm happy to be the one that does that, you know, for sure. I think that the only struggle that we're going to have is the generation that's growing up now. When you look at cars as mm-hmm. they are now, you look at like any new car. Obviously, you've got like the Hellcat and stuff like that. But generally, as time is going on, cars are shifting to more and more appliances, as as you said. So right now we have like we have the Malays cars, we have Radwood, we have the 80s cars and everybody's looking back and going, oh, my God, these cars were so cool. But when you look at the cars that we have now that everybody's just driving around, I don't it just doesn't feel like we have the type of technology with cars that we're going to be able to look back at the, at the cars made in 2019, 2015, be like, Oh man, that was so great. That was so cool. I actually don't agree with you, believe it or not, because when you look at the, the level of where well, you're talking about just right now, we are at, like I said earlier, a level of performance that was absolutely unprecedented. Whether the kids today are as heavily into that as, as they were generations ago, I don't know. I meet I meet tons of young enthusiasts, like young kids even, who email us. It was like I'm really into Hellcats. I'm really into McLarens. I'm really into like the new Porsches. I'm really into Teslas. They say like there's there's plenty out there, and you, you know we say that there's I mean, no one's gonna be nostalgic for this era. There's, everything is is boring right now, but you look like look at the '90s. Like look at most cars on the road in the '90s. It was like it was like Ford Tauruses, Chevy Luminas, like bad American cars. Boring Japanese cars. Go back to the 80s. Things were boxy and tiny and choked by emissions. There was garbage in the 70s. I think it's always been a mix of boring and then like the 10% cream of the crop that's awesome and um, worth being enthusiastic about. And I don't really see that changing now. Like you see the sports car market is kind of dwindling a bit, the pure sports car market. But like there's still amazing cars right now. Like look at what the Hellcat can do. Look at what like, uh, you know, a top end Model S can do like we're talking about just just insane performance, right? And I think that there's there's plenty right now to be excited about. And I think that if you go down the path of everything is bad, everything is lame right now, everything sucks, then what are you left with as car enthusiasts? You're left with a bunch of old guys sitting around talking about how great the Porsches are that haven't been made in 30 years. You just described Chris was, in a nutshell, by the way, <laughs> being pessimistic I, and only caring about the old Porsches. That's not, that's know, not that, entirely like, true. But like, I don't want, I, I don't think it should look like that. Cause that, that's closed and that's limited. And that's, that's, that's resigning yourself to death. That's what, that's when you're like, I'm just, I'm just slowly going to fall into the volcano. And I, I don't think we're there yet. I, I think we've got a long way to go. And I think that there's some really exciting shit happening in cars now that I'm really excited about. Like some of it, some of it I'm pessimistic and some of it, you know, uh, I'm not thrilled about. And some of these new technologies I don't care for. But, you know, we're seeing some really interesting things happen with electrification, for example. Like the, these, some of the electric cars are coming out now have just unbelievable performance. Uh, there is an aftermarket company that makes like Kurs style flywheels for 911s. For 997. I saw that. It's out of control. (laughs) Yeah, they're expensive. It's kind of heavy. It's not a ton of power versus like a turbo kit yet. But like that shows that there's potential for this. There is a front. This is a frontier that's yet to be explored. Same with EV conversions. And if you have like a shitty old like Datsun or MG or some like cool 80s car, but it had a trash engine in it, 
like my fucking uh, uh, 325E that I had. Like that was a cool car, the E30, but like it's, the beg- it's begging for a it. Leaf motor. <laughs> Nissan it Leaf is, it is. Cool. Yeah. That'd be cool as hell. That'd be cool as hell to do. Like, you, you got no emissions. Don't use gas anymore. You got electric torque for days. Like, that's cool and exciting to me. I'm coming uh, around to being able to do that stuff because I think doing that hot rod stuff like that is one of the things that will keep the fire alive. Yeah. I, I agree. And I think that like EV conversions, that's probably the next great frontier of like tuner shit. And like, that's like an untapped industry that in five years is going to be big. So if any of you are listening to this podcast and you're thinking like, I'm, I'm good at tinkering, I'm going to work on cars, but I want to start a business that's a growth business. So what do I do? Look into EV conversions. I think I really do feel like that has tremendous potential that hasn't been realized that's going to be the next Um, ls swap oh you're just gonna you're gonna nissan leaf swap it huh just like everyone else yeah that's for (laughs) sure i I mean there's there's guys doing tesla swaps and leaf swaps and everything else it's out there people are doing it the only problem is is that the the price for emission is high it's expensive and the knowledge is is really really high so you're right if someone wants to go out there and make it easy for people well, and, and it's going to be out of control as it becomes more ubiquitous. It, you know, we're going to it's going to become cheaper. It's going to become more. Right. It'll become more readily available. Exactly. So it, it, it kind of reminds me of like uh, like ECU and chip tuning probably in the 80s and 90s. So like you know, performance chips are old. It's like they made them. Oh, it's a lot to program this stuff in industry yet. Uh, you know, it's just, it's just, it's, it's not really a thing, but like, get it now. Like every kid in the universe with a GTI has an APR kit on it. Every kid with a WRX has a Cobb kit or something like if, if not, they should, uh, they're wasting potential. If they <laughs> right, don't. Right. So like, you, you know, give this stuff time. Like, like, you know, engine, like that's the thing is what he finds a way car people find a way. And I, you know, I also think when it comes to EV design too, one thing I think is exciting about is we have we we have this this totally unexplored frontier of packaging, and it's like if you look at like a Tesla, a Tesla looks like a car because they want it to look like a car. It's got a hood, and it's got a trunk, and it's got everything else. But if you don't need to have an engine somewhere, you can design a car to be wherever the fuck you want. Basically, you could have the batteries in the floor, you could have motors on the wheels. Like we we have totally not even explored how crazy they can look, how weird looking they could get, how interestingly they can be packaged. Like that's, that's it a sounds whole fun. Thing. It yeah. sounds really interesting. I, I can't wait till it's accessible for people, right. which we, which we I know so. is coming down the road. I still don't like the no grill face on all the Teslas though. I will say that Yeah, they need to explore that a bit more. It, it works better on some of them than others. Like I, I really like the model <laughs> S, the new model S with the grill, but like the model three kind of just like it, it took a while to, to grow on me. Okay. Um, yeah, it's a scale thing too. And it's like a lot has to happen for EVs to catch on. Like, I don't think that they really will in mass until gas really spikes. And also fast charging is, is more ubiquitous as a network right. and also, uh, is, is just more readily available and it's like faster for people to do unless it's, it's as convenient as gassing up your car. Well, people are right. They're rightly they scared it. of it. You know, they don't, they don't understand yeah. it. They're scared and it's, it's just going to take time for the for the market to to adapt and for people to get into it and i'm okay with it as long as i can still do what i want to do as long as that's not I've taken about- away from me mm-hmm. i'm happy yeah. and, and as long as if hey if other people want to go to the supermarket and go to their nine to five and read a newspaper behind the steering wheel fine go for it <laughs> but i still want to be able to drive myself and as long as that is the case i'm a happy camper and all this stuff can exist I wrote a story about this last year, and one thing I thought about is, let's say we have this world now where autonomous cars are realized tomorrow. The guy from Google is like, I figured out the solution. We'll have fully autonomous cars. Congress passes a law that says all cars have to be fully autonomous 
in five years, and we're gonna we're gonna ban human driving altogether. Do you know how much that's gonna fuck over poor people in this country? Oh yeah, like, and, yeah. And, and 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 middle class people who just like just depend on a car to get to work to get around. Like we haven't really invested in, in America in public transit that we probably should have. Like this is a car dependent country for better or worse. Like there's a lot of good that comes with that because if you're an enthusiast, you like cars. A lot of bad that comes with that too. Um well, it's everything's driven by the urban sprawl for sure. I mean, it's just it is. is, it is, and like there's there's some negative aspects to that. It's like if you make people uh, just switch entirely to autonomous cars, like what's 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 your timeline for that? Ten years, five years? Like you're still going to have that be not economically feasible for people. Are you going to subsidize it somehow? Well, that's not going to be a very popular uh, option. So I think this stuff is a lot further out, and what we're going to see in the meantime with autonomy is just like better and better radar guided cruise control and you know, you know, drive assist, you know, stuff with you, you have to keep your hands on the steering wheel, but it kind of navigates you through traffic. Some of that stuff's crap. Uh, some of the stuff on the highway, cruise controls are pretty good, um, you know, but it, it, it's not where it needs to be yet. And I guess I'm, I'm less worried about the robots taking my keys than I was a few years ago. Well, on that note, I just want to really thank you for coming on the podcast, man. Uh, I hope you oh, enjoy shit, the rest of your bad. evening over there on the East Coast. And uh, we'll uh, we'll talk to you again some other time. I think it was really nice having you on. Yeah, thanks, Patrick. You guys, you, yeah, of course. You guys stay warm, and uh, let's do this again soon. All right. All right. Take Sounds care of yourself. Bye bye. All right, we are back. Um, that was great. I love Patrick. He's really, really passionate about yeah. what he does. And if you read some of his articles, I really uh, encourage everybody to go read that article about Randy Lanier. If you just type Randy Lanier Jalopnik. You'll find it. Or if you type boats, weed, race car, <laughs> that'll probably, that, well, it'll probably bring up a that'll few That'll bring results. up a lot of things. Yeah, that'll Chris. bring up a lot of things. So, yeah, that's probably true. But, no, I get, but absolutely. get some uh, Don Air now stuff in there too <laughs> as well. Anyway, so um, before we get into some news, I want to remind everybody, spread the word on the podcast. Yes. If you like this podcast, your friends will too if they like you. If they don't like you, they might not like the podcast, but if they're your friends and you guys like the same kind of thing, then they'll, no, they'll I have some people that probably don't like me that would also like our podcast. That's true. So, so spread don't the word. let that stop you. Spread the word. And please take the time to hop over on iTunes. Leave us a five star review. Yep. We are the fastest growing automotive podcast in the nation. All right. Let's get into some news. Uh, what have we what have we got first? What do we want to get into? We got here? we got a whole gamut of stories here. You you tell me. Okay, what do you let's do. do uh, let's get into the Green New Deal. Now, this is okay. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's um uh, proposal on the yes. Green New Deal. Now, this is based off the term of the New Deal, which right, was like which a Roosevelt was plan. FDR, yep. Yeah, FDR's plan. It's it's so it's. I'm going to try and steer around some of the political stuff here. Okay. It'll probably get, I'll probably get into a little bit, but I'm going to steer around the stuff that doesn't have to do with transportation. Okay. Um, so. Um, when F, so this is, I'm going to read a couple quotes from this, um, when, from this, this is from the actual, from the actual the proposal. Sure. Yeah. The, gotcha. uh, the resolution It's the new deal resolution. Gotcha. Um, when FDR called on America to build 185,000 planes to fight world war II, every business leader, CEO and general laughed at him at the time, the U S had produced 3000 planes in the last year. By the end of the war, we produced 300,000 planes. That's what we are capable of if we have real leadership. Now, what they're saying is that, hey, this green movement thing is so important that right. we need to basically mobilize, mobilize the entire mobilize country. The entire country. What the, like we've done before. Is like we've point. done before. Sure. But to be fair, it was war. 
Our yeah. boys were drafted and they were eating rations in mud holes in France. Yeah. And uh, people were being slaughtered by the millions by Nazis. Not only were um, we at war, it was World War. It was World War Two, And the urgency was uh, pronounced and, and dire. So it's not the same thing. Okay. So I don't I don't like okay. I don't like the premise that we all need to get behind this as if we're at some sort of World War Three. I just don't. I'm not a fan of that. It's not the same. So and I think it's behind this behind what so what is this this so, okay so basically what they want to do is i'm going to go through i'm not you can go find it yourself if you okay. want to read everything and see what they want to do so what they want to do is they want to um climate change is a mm-hmm. problem right so they mm-hmm. they say that we are 20 percent of the climate change problem in the world right so we contributed 20 percent. So the problem is is we keep getting cleaner Right. And the rest of the world keeps getting dirtier. Sure. Because they. So it's diminishing returns. I also did. It's like living across the street from the guy that doesn't take care of his lawn. <laughs> it doesn't matter how much better your lawn is. The neighborhood still looks like crap. The neighborhood still looks like crap. And your uh, your housing value is probably down. Um, so the, uh, she said IPCC. How many C's are in this report? The IPCC report said global emissions <laughs> must be cut must be cut by 40 to 60 percent by 2030. 10 years. Okay. U.S. is 20% of total emissions. We must get to zero by 2030 to lead the world in a global new green deal. Um, That's, that's pretty significant to get to zero emissions as an entire nation. It's, it is impossible. Well, that's the thing I was going to say. I mean, with any goal like that, there's always the long tail effect. So it'll be relatively easy to get the first, what, like 10% done, right? right. We can get down to you knock know, the big stuff down. Right. And then even which we the all, next, which I feel like we've already done or in least, many cases yeah, should do and are working towards, but that last 10%, is going to be really tough. Exactly. I mean, you, you have to keep in mind that this whole thing is is kind of aiming for the moon a little bit. Okay. So you ask for more than you expect to get, sure. and then you kind of dial it back in negotiations. Is okay, kind of regardless. Way. So that's the goal is, is that's zero. Goal. So here's some of the ways that they're going to go after transportation to make this happen. There's right. other things they're going to do, but these are the, some of the things that they want okay. to do. Um, it's totally overhaul transportation by massively expanding electric vehicle manufacturing and building charging stations everywhere 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 jake we're going to build charging stations <laughs> everywhere and we know that these things cost about 25 to thirty thousand dollars a pop right because we've discussed this before yeah. they're they're pretty expensive um they want to build out high-speed rail at a scale where air travel stops becoming necessary i do have a question about that how is that how are you going to get from los angeles to, to chicago or los angeles to new york or dc on a train mm-hmm. at the same speed that you would on a plane Hyperloop? You still have... They're, so they're going to have... Like, how many different... Right. You need... The spokes the, are they going to come out of this? What's great about air travel is you can have multiple planes in the air at the same time. And it's, and it's point to point. Right. When you have a train, it has to make stops because you have to pick people up and true, drop people off. True. So it's just... It's not... It's not possible. It is not possible. You cannot... Flying is awesome. Flying is a way to get from point A to point B in a short right. amount of time. Very economically, you can't build enough rail lines around the country to transport people in a similar fashion. But what what she's asking for you to do probably is to sacrifice. Okay. You're supposed to sacrifice for the greater good and be transported on a train instead of a plane. Um, they want to create affordable public transit transit available to all with the goal to replace every combustion engine vehicle. 
with public transit. With public transit or or with your or electric, electric car. So sure. they want it. They would either subsidize. So this this is interesting. This goes to Patrick's point about, oh, well, you know, if you ban combustion engine cars, now the poor are suffering because they can't go They're the only buy ones a that brand can't afford new $40,000, $50,000 electric car. But what this proposal is saying is don't worry about that because we're going to have public transit now to fill that gap. But like I said, urban sprawl is the problem. Right. That's not going to work. For most people in America might work for you in L.A. and New York City and D.C. and in Virginia, you guys can have your little hubs and you guys can all get around. But the rest of the world and the rest of the states can't do that. It's not you just can't. It's not possible. Um, They want to upgrade or replace every building in the United States for state of the art (laughs) energy efficiency. First of all, I don't think you need to replace every building to make it energy efficient. It says upgrade or replace. Okay. For some reason I focused on replace every building. Every building. Well, every anything is, is is kind of, is kind of, uh, is kind of silly. So they want to replace every building in the United States for state of the art efficiency. Um, so how do you think all this will be paid for? I can't imagine. I would assume taxes, which isn't great. The the uh, the PDF of this resolution even states that if you were to confiscate all the billionaires money, it's not enough. It's not enough money mm. to pay for this. So you can't tax your way into this zero uh, in game. It's that expensive. It's that it's trillions, okay. trillions and trillions and, and trillions and trillions of dollars. Years. It's not like we're just going to, you know, cost this over. You know, I was thinking about this before and I lost my train of thought, so I couldn't remember. But look, look at this. You were saying about the poor people, right? Sure. Yeah, yeah. So you were saying forty, fifty thousand dollars for a Tesla. They promised that yeah. they were going to have the Tesla Model 3 was going to be thirty five thousand dollars. Right. They promised they can't do it. They can't get there. They're having trouble. They can't get there. So they can't even sell a car for $35,000 now. Mm -hmm. But in 10 years, everybody is supposed to be able to adopt this technology. How? Let me tell you. Okay. So the, (laughs) this is how the PDF says they're going to, going to afford this. And let me, let me, I'm going to let you try and figure out how this is going to logistically work in terms of economics. All right. Okay. The federal reserve can extend credit to power these projects and investments and new public banks can be created to also extend credit. Okay. There's also space for the government to take an equity stake in projects to get a return on investment. So what are the two underlying things that are being done there? Well, we're certainly increasing the national debt then, right? Because we're talking about sort of. Yes, sort of. But they're creating banks to loan money to businesses. Okay. The money doesn't exist yet. Oh, so so the they're, fe- print, they're literally printing they're money? They're going to print money and let inflation carry the weight is what will happen. Ooh. And then the other thing is... There's also a space for the government to take equity stakes in the projects, which means it's all going to be you're going to have government. No, government funded is different than government equity stake. It's going to be partially government owned. Sure. So you're going to have government owned energy and transportation everywhere. Okay. Kind of of communistic. Government banks lending money that doesn't actually exist to government run energy companies. Got it. So that's just a recap of the Green No Deal. So when you hear about it, I'm not going to go beyond. I don't want to get too political about it, but that's what's being pushed. Now, there's Republicans obviously don't like this, right? Okay. And a lot of Democrats are like, wow, you're crazy. So so uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is is kind of like a firebrand in the Democrat Party right now. She's really, really popular. She's the only person that has more Twitter power than her is President Trump. So she's way up there in terms of the following that she has. Sure. And this is her bill. So I worry a little bit about millennials kind of glomming onto this. Anybody with like logic in their brain can kind of see that this is like 
kind of a pipe dream, right? Well, None of this. Here's here's the problem is when you hear just the headlines of this, like, okay, in 10 years, we're going to be completely zero, you know, carbon neutral as a country. It's going to be great. We're going to, you know, replace everything with electric. When you're just looking at the positives and reading what would be the BuzzFeed headlines on this, Sure. Why wouldn't you buy into this? Right. The it problem is the cost and the downside and everything else that goes along it with would, it. It will is not what's being necessarily publicized. My, my main comment on this is mm-hmm. it would absolutely 100 percent destroy the American economy. OK, it would destroy the American economy. 100 percent trying to do this. She's absolutely. I, I read the, the brief. We're building jobs, though, Chris, playing devil's advocate here. Anytime you have I'm not taking the bait. Okay. I'm, not, I'm not taking the bait. I've said enough. I'm not taking the bait. Okay. So, but regardless, yeah, there's there's some big, uh, big, some big points question in there, there when it comes to cars. You can and, make your own decision. Go read it. And uh, you can make your own call on it. Okay. So I'm going to let you take this one. This okay. is because you're the guy with the actual truck. <laughs> um, this so tailgate. Tailgates thing. are amazing. <laughs> Or not. Or not. So so if everybody's <laughs> okay, so, been watching the news, right, there's yeah. been all these different tailgates. How many different types are there? Do we know? Have you so, looked? Yes, because here, I'm going to start out with what kind of how you became aware of this. So I remember my dad has a, like, what, 2016 F-150. Right. And that had the cool steps. You put down the tailgate. Not only, okay, the first technology is it's the easy, like, it doesn't slam the tailgate down anymore. It's got right? a hydraulic. It's got the little or... hydraulic thing, so it eases down. That's cool. Then they made the step that pulls out. You know, it's out. also what you can also do is just hold on to the tailgate. Well, that's with your what hands. I do. Yes, I do that. You just I, hold on to I it. I do that. That's what most people do. Right. Okay. But you can do it hands free now, too. Not only is it eased down, you can hit the button like you would on your truck. So what you that do opens. So what you do is you open it and then you just stand there and watch as it <laughs> No, like you don't opens. even have to open it. You hit the button in your pocket and it opens. How is that going to work? How is any of this stuff I mean, going to work in an actual. That's kind of cool. What? I get that. If we're going to have. Look, if you're. Trucks if your hatch. Pr- trucks are for work. Okay, trucks are for work. You don't need to do this. If you're working, you don't need to hit a button. They have to go. You don't need that. If consumers are all held up on their SUV hatch opening by itself, then I guess it makes sense that your tailgate would do it, too. Okay, so I can understand that. So where I was going was the F-150 was the first one that the steps you pull down your tailgate, the step folds out and then the handle pops up, too. So you can get up on your tailgate. And I remember making one of my dad saying, are you really that old now that you need the step ladder to get up in your truck? Now, here's one thing I will concede. What's that? Working dudes like my dad yeah. that have been carpenters for 40 years, right. laborers, you they're beat. pretty effed up. Yeah. Their backs are pretty effed up. These working guys can't just hop up into a truck at here's, 50 years here's old. Here's the other thing. So truck, I understand that. Yeah, yeah. Here's the other thing that is a point for them. Trucks are getting higher. Like the they sit higher because everything's a four by four now. It used to be the work trucks. You put down the tailgate. It was right there at waist level. Right. You know, so I think that's part of the problem is you kind of need a step now. So that was the the Ford that first came. And then Chevy, we saw where it like folds down and it folds down again. And there's then a again, whole built down there's three, step. There's yeah, three so it's steps. Like the tailgate folds down. Then the thing folds down and then the step falls out from that. So yeah. now you have literally a staircase. So why don't they just make it like there's an escalator? Because like, <laughs> you just hop on and like, or like a like, ramp. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. So yeah. So, so you know what this reminds me of? What is that? This entire concept reminds me of pizza. Now, bear okay. with me. Okay, so you have pizza, right? In the 70s <sighs> and the 80s, you have just pizza. There's pizza. It's got cheese on it. It's got pepperoni, a sausage, maybe green olives, some peppers. That's sure. pizza. But okay. somehow in the 90s, uh-huh. Pizza Hut goes... Well, why don't we put cheese inside the crust? Because no one eats the crust. Why don't we put cheese inside the crust? And that opened the door 
four. for every stupid pizza thing that exists, whether it's since whether it's like, like what? braided crust, stuffed crust, pineapple on your pizza, all this stuff didn't exist. I am all for just, the pizza innovation. For why? The record. It's not just regular pizza is just fine. Yeah. And stuffed crust pizza is so much better. No, especially it's, like, good you know, why stuff, cr- you know, why stuffed crust pizza is not better why? because you got it from pizza hut. Right. You should find like a decent, no decent pizza place. That's put true. cheese inside their that crust true. because it is a gimmick to get you to buy the pizza. And that is exactly what this war is between all these well, truck companies. We're not done, now, though. now Dodge has one yes. that will barn door open and <laughs> fold down. So yeah. So Dodge, the Ram came out. Not only does it fold down like a regular tailgate and also has the, the, the like, soft open I think they call it but it has a it's not even a regular barn door so when it's closed you can open it sideways right so that is the pizza rolls of truck tail here's what's worse about it it opens 60 40 it's not even 50 50 right down the center why the 60 40 makes no sense it's the same guy that designed the back seat of a dodge caravan probably i mean the back seat makes more sense 60 40 right but i'm just saying it's probably the same guy was like got a hold of the tailgate thing (laughs) well this is what i've always done (laughs) everything has to be 60 40 but the styling looks weird because now you have a crease that's offset on the tailgate i don't know it's I, so I yeah. agree with you, Chris, because there's something to be said about simplicity and durability. Having that one step the way that Ford did it with the handle, that's all you need. Everything I don't else think you is, even need that because that's going to get gummed up in 10 years and that's not it's going to get rusty because now there's more components in your tailgate and then parts to fail lots of weather. But it's kind of like a manual thing. Like you put it down, you move it with your hands when things are like operating by themselves. Just imagine some guy who's got like 10 sheets of plywood he needs to show in his truck, throw in his truck. And it's like. Mean. He has to like wait for the thing to come out and it goes <laughs> and the motor breaks and the guy can't do his work. I look at trucks. I know and I accept that trucks are not just for work anymore. Right. But I'm going to live in my little world <laughs> where trucks are supposed to so be work vehicles. They and are that- selling them. I will counter your point here. They are selling them as being for utility. So, for instance, with Dodge's barn door tailgate, now you can load pallets closer and get it directly in the bed rather than having to lift it over like with a forklift lifted over the tailgate, right? Which, whatever. But again, if your tailgate was just simple, simple and beefy, then it's fine. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't buy any of this. I just I think it's all gimmicks. I think they're just they. Here's the thing is if you build a really, really good truck uh-huh. and really nice F-150, that is everything you need. Guess what you don't need to do? Put gimmicks on it. Buy another truck because oh. you already have one. <laughs> so they have to continue to innovate and it's really really hard to continue to innovate when you've already built a great product well so then you start slapping stuff like this on it and then pretty soon it's aluminum and it's you know here's the other problem let's say we were dodge we're making the ram truck we see ford has their step we think it's kind of a gimmick at first you now chevy comes out with their staircase that folds down well we have to do something right here's the deal dodge came out with theirs right after chevy came out it was close could you imagine there's got to be like some sort of spy oh yeah that was like oh chevy's got this triple tailgate thing what are we gonna do i don't know barn doors fast (laughs) make it open different it's got to be different it can't be the same thing what what can we do that's different i'll just have it open like this instead (laughs) yeah i don't Uh, know but it makes sense like you have to compete yeah i I okay all right let's uh let's end the show on a listener question okay Um, i don't want to do any more news because it's tesla and it's boring (laughs) um all right although that news story did prove that i'm right how's that 
I, I'm not going to, I just, I'm right. We're just leaving that. I'm not gonna <laughs> no, be- you're not. The, the Tesla story that I brought up, no, the, the Model Y. The, the VW is going to be using Tesla oh, batteries right. at their charging yeah, yeah. stations. And what did I say Tesla was going to become yeah, it was as just they like got crushed a, by everybody else? A, a producer. A of, producer and a supplier. A supplier and Volkswagen, yeah. who owns Electrify America. That's the what's charging the, what's network. The big, what's the big strength of Tesla? What does everybody say? Yeah, their battery Their tech. charging network is the big strength of Tesla. Okay. And here comes Volkswagen with Electrify America that they own. They're going to come in and they're just going to sweep the floor. Yeah. And they're going to use Tesla's technology and they're going to bring it in and put it under the umbrella and Tesla's going to be done. They're going to become well, a parts manufacturer right. for these other companies, which is fine. I agree. As if they can't keep up, that's that's fine. And then they'll make <laughs> rockets and tubes and and uh, and rocket you're, planes. You're a big and, fan. You're a big fan. I I love Elon Musk. I love his ingenuity, but that, yeah. that's where it that's where it ends. Okay. Um, Andrew Pedretti asks if someone is looking at buying a 911, presumably air cooled, any year. Where okay. should they start looking, and what should they expect to pay for an entry level model? The reason I ask is I'm finally blah 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 blah. Okay. Um. Uh. If I can afford a fun car that runs when I buy it, it would be a 911, Lotus, M Series, BMW, etc. All seem to have wildly inflated markets. That doesn't make sense. You can't have all the markets be wildly inflated. <laughs> Only one market is can be wildly inflated okay. because if it if they're all wildly inflated, yeah. that's the way the market is. And the market is the way it is because people want these cars. Okay. Whether it's an M car or an old Lotus or a 911 so or his his question is where should you start looking for an air-cooled 911? Where should you start looking? Where should they start looking and what should they expect okay. to pay? Where you should start looking is obviously on the forums, right? You right. go to Pelican Parts, you go to the early registry if you want something older. Um, but the way that I think that the best cars get sold yep. is they go sideways, right? Just like, mine Just like yours where you hear, heard about something. Problem is, is you need to have the money. As you know, mm-hmm. you need the money now. You need it today. You need it today. Is this for sale? Yes. How much is it? $40,000? Great. You're the first in line. You don't want it? Great. Bob right here, he's got the money. That's the way that it works. And if you're not ready right now, there's no, I need to go to the bank. I need to go to my credit union. It's nothing. It's I have the cash now, right now. And that's the only way that you're going to get a hold of any of these cars. And in terms of what you should expect to pay for an entry level, I don't know what entry level means. I don't know if entry level means doesn't run. True. Yeah. But, is it a project? He said, know. though, he Ford a fun car that runs when I buy it. OK, so it runs a running 911 in marginal condition. Probably you could find something and it would sell really fast for twenty five thousand dollars. You could mm, get like a I'm mid not anymore. Uh, like you could get a mid year car, okay. narrow body, you know, maybe needs a lot of work for like twenty five grand. That's kind of the entry level. But you have to keep in mind that's. People are going to buy that car now. Right. They're going to buy it now. I will say anything and those under people 30 have, will, will go like that. It will go very fast. And a lot of cars that go sideways are cheaper than what you see posted online. Sure. Posted online is sometimes like pipe dream pricing. People don't True. actually get that. They've got something posted for $50,000. They negotiate down and they eventually get it for thirty eight or forty five sure. or whatever. So what you see online for prices isn't necessarily what things are actually selling for. So good keep, point. keep that in mind. But you got to be ready to just go and keep in yeah. mind like the uh, $25,000, $30,000 Porsche is a sixty to $65,000 Porsche by the time you make it nice. <laughs> as you are starting to become aware of yeah. all the, the prices of things. Oh, yeah, yeah. Know, no, it's not cheap. Yeah. So on that note, we're going to say goodbye. Sadly, um, please head over to iTunes. Leave us a five star review with some words. That'd be really, really great. We have uh, I can't I don't have next week nailed down yet. I really want to tease who it is. We might have a cool guest. We might have a really, really cool guest. Otherwise, we'll have a cool history story. I got plenty of those in my back pocket. Yep. And uh, 
yeah, that's it. Thanks for coming and thanks for listening, guys. And we hope you enjoyed today's show. Yeah, till next week. Take care. Bye-bye.